Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 175 of a yank on the footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning at 6.10 a.m. Thanks for giving the episode a listen. I'm going to sit down and look back at the abbreviated round 12, as well as covering a couple of the big news stories of this past week. Now, don't forget that if you are interested in getting your local footy club, getting a shout out during an upcoming episode, drop me a note via email or on Messenger and uh, reach out on Twitter or Instagram. And I would I absolutely love highlighting clubs and um, learning a little bit more about the fabric that makes up footy at the younger levels and at the uh, local levels as well. Now, today's club of the episode is being sponsored by MickAussie.tv. Mick Aussie is run by Kim Harrison, or as he's known here in North America, Mick Aussie. Mick has spent over the last two decades uh, running his sports comedy channel, talking about the NFL, the AFL, the Canadian Football League, as well as the NBA and the NHL here in, in North America. He also appears regularly on Sports Grid TV with Gabe Morenci. Mick was a terrific footy player in his own right in South Australia. Now, today's club is the Sunshine Kangaroos of the Western Regional Football League. The Kangaroos got started in 1942, had a period of time where they went dormant until 1959, and the club began playing again in 59 with their 16U club. The club plays their home games at the Rec West Braybrook on Lily Street in Melbourne, and this past week the senior side dropped a contest against the Point Cook Bulldogs 76-65. Their next contest comes up on June the 18th. They have a bye week this week against Hopper's Crossing. Best of luck to the kangaroos. Now, I don't know if you are a fan of Stranger Things, but uh, that sounds like that's going to make for one heck of a contest there against Hopper's Crossing. Now, you can find everything you want to know about the podcast over at my website, iyankonthefooty.com. I do hope that you'll consider checking it out. Of course, the big thing over there is you can get signed up on the mailing list so that when new episodes come out, they are in your email within about 90 seconds of when that episode gets published. You can uh, leave a review for the podcaster, which would be a huge help if you are so inclined to do so. You can ask a question. You can sign up as a guest if you have a great footy story. And I love learning about the game from people who have experienced it all sorts of different levels. So if you've got a great footy story to tell, please click on the uh, register as a guest button and uh, get signed up and drop me a note and let me know that you've signed up because I'd love to reach out and, uh, and talk to you. Now, if you like the show and you want to consider helping it out, you can click on the Buy Me a Coffee button in the bottom left-hand corner. Also, if you're interested in any of the podcast gear, the Redbubble page is up at the top in the store button as well. Now, coming up on Saturday this week on the 11th of June at 11 o'clock Central Time here in the U.S., the Kansas City Power of the USAFL are holding their Footy 101, an introduction to Australian rules football. This will be held at Gillum Park on the corner of East 41st Street and Gillum Road in Kansas City, Missouri. You can find out more information about this at Linktree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash KCPowerAFC. If you're in the Kansas City area, come out and learn a little bit about this great game. It's a great activity. At least that's what I've seen because, again, I'm a little on the old side. I'm not going to be participating in it on my own. Now, the Cats have uh, had a little bit of a, a health setback here. There's, they're going to be bringing some players hopefully back into the side here uh, after their bye week, but they've lost Brandon Parfit for the next month to six weeks after having surgery on a broken bone in his hand. The Suns defender Lockie Weller tore his right ACL, so he's going to be gone for the rest of the year. And it looked like a, you know, having watched it, looked like a bit of like a jump stop, like almost like a jump cut kind of thing you would see in basketball, and it just uh, it just buckled on him. And it's really, really sad to see. He was having a pretty good year this year, so hopefully the Suns will be able to, f- to fill that spot. And as I was jotting down notes last evening before I, I headed off to bed because I'm recording this early in, this, early in the morning here, um, I did see a story pop up about Stephen May and Jake Melsham, and it Looks like Stephen May has been suspended by the Demons for one game. 
uh, for conduct involved with a little bit of a brouhaha or an altercation with Jake Melsham where they'd gone out for dinner and a couple of drinks and uh, something transpired and it just warranted the club suspending him for an additional game, which means that if that's the case and he was available to play this week, he's going to be missing the clash on Monday with the Magpies, which is huge. Now, a couple of other things real quickly. I wanted to uh, to give a shout-out uh, of thanks to uh, Troy West, uh, Catman. I uh, had Troy on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he said, well, he was going to drop some Cats gear in the post for me, and he did, and it was it was like Christmas in uh, early June, if you will, when it arrived. Uh, Great-looking new Cats flag that I'm going to – well, first of all, I put a new uh, – rope on my flagpole in my yard so I can actually fly a flag on it because the rope had been there since I put the flagpole up 25 years ago and it finally tore through last year. It's a massive cat's flag. I'm excited about that. A new cap, scarf, all sorts of little um, pieces and parts. But then what was really cool was actually an embroidered like headband that Troy has worn as part of his, his gear. So that is definitely going to be getting displayed in my uh, little recording studio at home. So Troy, thanks so very much for that, man. I truly appreciate it. And a huge thanks to Shannon Gill from Code Sports for making me part of the article that came out this week, Pure Fans, No Politics, Meet the AFL's U.S. Superfans. Now you can go over to codesports.com.au to sign up to read the article. You can actually sign up for uh, two months for one dollar Australian, which I believe was like 77 cents. So I definitely did sign up because uh, I was wanting to read it. If you're in the U.S., the code, uh, code Sports is, as Shannon described it, it's basically Australia's version of The Athletic. And from what I've begun to explore, and again, I don't know about the NRL or the NBL or things of that nature, but you know, looking at the, the footy coverage there, it was, it was pretty compelling. And with your subscription over there, I guess you also, and I haven't figured out how to do this yet, you also get access to the Super Coach Plus. So if you're not involved in that yet and you're wanting to do that, um, it's a pretty good deal. Now, it was an absolute thrill to be featured in the article, but I'd be remiss to not mention, you know, some of the other people who are climbing into their own digital bell towers, if you will, to talk about the game. You know, people who are friends of the podcast like Frode Jernhart and Rick Shibani and Tony Davis, who's the son of D's premiership player, Frank Davis, uh, along with people like Gil Griffin, who's a mad Docker supporter who writes for uh, Rowan Connolly's uh, footyology website. Donnie Hess, who not only has his own footy podcast uh, for, on fourth and long radio, but is also the head coach of the USAFL's Des Moines Roosters. Rosanna, who's the host of AFL Obsessed. And Bill Robert, who's been doing stateside footy, stateside footy recording uh, and broadcasting USAFL games here in North America for many, many years, uh, especially, in the, like I said, in the Northeast. And, of course, you know Brian Barish, who's the media manager for the USAFL, they are – there are also thousands and thousands of fans, and we're trying to add to that number. That's why we're doing this, um, of the game here in the United States. And as I mentioned in the article, yeah, I'm working to hopefully bring more and more you know, people to the game who have not yet discovered it. So, again, Shannon, thanks for the opportunity to be part of that. But, you know, this is a team effort from, from all of us, and it, you know, it was great to get that, that little, you know, bump there and that little recognition I truly truly appreciate it and I uh well, it was nice to be able to just show off all the stickers on the front of my desk and by the way if you happen to have one for your local club and you want to drop it in the post uh, my e my mailing address is in the uh show notes there so yeah the story is going around and I did see a little quote here about the dissent rule and have they changed their mind on this thing already has the backlash been so great and, you know, I, I, listening to one of the games on uh, Triple M, um, you know, there was a, a little public service announcement, you know, Triple M supports female umpires. And, and I don't think that there's anybody, you know, and it's all fine and dandy. I don't think there's anybody that, that doesn't support male umpires, female umpires, whatever. But taking the human emotion out of the game, I think, was just a, a lousy idea on the part of the comp. And, I'm, and, I, and if this is the case, you know, um, the quote that I found here 
uh, said that the AFL told umpires last week to soften their definition of what constitutes dissent from players and no longer to penalize players for a single arms-out gesture. So I guess you better not do it twice. But a single one, you're okay. And I did love uh, the photograph that's popped up online with uh, Mason Cox uh, with the arms crossed. Um, you know, I guess... <laughs> You know, maybe it would be uh, if, if this was to continue, if they hadn't shut, shut this down or you know, pulled back on this. And this is just me thinking, you know, a little goofily, if you will. You know, maybe uh, you know, a player you know, pulls out like a, one of those zip tie handcuffs and, and zip ties himself and runs around for a few seconds before he has the trainer cut the cuffs off so he doesn't throw his arms up in the air. I, and I know it's not going to happen, but it's just, it, it was getting to that point that they become so ridiculous. Um, it said, but the, at the meeting, the umpires were also told that this change would not be communicated to players, clubs, or fans. So if you're a conspiracy theorist, it might be time to go ahead and pull out that tinfoil hat. Now, wary of, being, wary of being seen to have softened its stance on dissent, the AFL said that it recalibrated dissent and fine-tuned permissible behavior to reach a common-sense level after strict early-season crackdown. Common sense. Wow. It's, it's amazing, you know, how much of just life in general could be uh, dealt with if we just use common sense. And... I'm not going to delve into that any further because you can apply that to whatever aspect of your life or the things that interest you in your life that 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 you wish. But uh, yeah, that's a uh, we could use a little bit more common sense in the in the real world. There, um, I think uh, from the film Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, my favorite movie of all time. Which, if you've not seen it, it it's it's a film that came out in 1939 where the character who's being uh, run out of the U.S. Congress for something he hadn't done is talking about how he, uh, that, that people should be looking, you know, should have a little bit more common sense and looking out for the other fella. Uh, that line just kind of popped into my head there. So let's take a look at the, uh, the games from this round. You know, the Cats, they battled a very good Bulldog side, you know, who are still awaiting Josh Bruce, and it sounds like he may be, he may be back in a couple of weeks. And while they led, you know, each quarter of the game, you know, that that a 44-point outburst, and I think they were up by three and a half or six and a half goals, five and a half goals, 33 points in the first quarter. You know, the Cats had to hold on by their fingernails to get this win. You know, Jeremy Cameron had a, a monster game and is just making that trade look better and better and better every time he goes out there. Had six goals, and of course the Cats got reminded of just how much they could ill afford to not have Tom Stewart out there. It's as though the rudder fell off the ship for a considerable amount of the game as the, the Bulldogs just battled back and got this thing rather close. Um, you know, he left in the first half with a concussion, and I have to be honest with you, I've never been more happy for a team that I support to have a bye week than I am this week because this is going to hopefully allow Tom Stewart to get healthy to get clearance and then be able to come back out um, the following week. And who? And let's just put it out there. Uh, they're facing the Eagles the first week back off of the bye. I don't know. Might they end up resting him another week to allow him to, uh, to recover more fully? I don't know. I'm just speculating there. Yeah, Zach Guthrie played what might be the best game he's played in the hoops, and that has been – He's been kind of the whipping boy, if you will, the, the, the poster child for not being you know, a ready-for-prime-time player for the Cats for a number of years as he's grown up. And if you go back and you look at photographs of Zach Guthrie, and I have a, a team poster of the Cats in my hanging out in my classroom. I'm recording in my classroom this morning before the school day starts. And I can see you know in that poster... I mean, he looks like he's about 13 years old. Well, he, he is now, actually, he is in 2022, he is a man. He has, he has built up his body to where he is a solid contributor in the Cats' defense. And, you know, it was all hands on deck after Stewart went out, and they weathered the storm, they got, uh, they got through it. 
Um, you know, Guthrie had 19 disposals, 11 marks, and three tackles. You know, the Bulldogs had a foursome that had 30-plus disposals with Jackson McCray pacing them with 31 marks, five disposals, eight tackles, and four clearances. And like I said, it looks like Josh Bruce is going to be back here fairly soon. Uh, so the Bulldogs are going to be getting back to fuller strength, if you will. Now, they're, they dropped out of the eight this week, but they're still right on the cusp of that and certainly can get back in there. Now, of course, the big news was the – the headbutt incident um, between uh, Zach Tui and Bailey Smith. And it looks like Bailey Smith is going to be out for a couple of weeks, which the club can, yeah, they can ill afford to not have him there because they need his pace out there on the ground. So um, was two weeks necessary? Maybe for something, you know, that we considered as egregious as a headbutt. You know, a, 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 a misguided, um, blindly thrown elbow might warrant only a week. But, I, you know, I, I think if you're going to headbutt somebody, you're looking right at them. You, you, you certainly see them right there. It's somewhat of a conscious decision that you made in the spur of the moment. Um, so I, I guess the two weeks is probably warranted. So we, we shall see. So the Eagles uh, headed down to the Adelaide Oval, uh, hoping to put together some periods of good football, and there and there were some good periods this weekend. You know, they, they kept the court score certainly closer than they have in recent weeks. You know, they were led by again. There still are a lot of premiership players playing in this side right now. Andrew Gaff had 30 disposals and four tackles. Louis Shuey, 27 disposals, six tackles, 10 clearances. Jack Darling kicked a couple of goals. You know, but it it wasn't enough. There's just there's just something that doesn't seem to be right with the Eagles because the, you know the Crows and I and I having read through the uh, the Eagles message boards online as well as the Crows message boards. You know it's it's uh, yeah they were not they were not playing the the Lions they were not playing the D's they were not playing a, a top four side here they were playing a side who is still in rebuild rebuild mode okay. You know, the Crows were paced by Rory Laird with 33 disposals, nine tackles, eight clearances. Taylor Walker had 22 disposals himself with eight marks and three goals. Now, this is a game that the Crows, you know, that they, you know, they could not afford to not win if they want to push their way back up the ladder. Now, am I, am I saying the Crows are going to be finding their way into the eight? I doubt that, okay? Um, but this is a club that needs to start putting some Ws on the – scoreboard to start building for going into next year because you know this is a side who has got a year or two ahead of the rebuild of somebody like North Melbourne so they need to start putting some wins up there uh Darcy Fogarty Shane McAdam also had three goals apiece for the Crow so good effort by them but you know, a slightly better effort from the Eagles than we had seen recently now I think that spending the extra week in Darwin certainly paid off handsomely for the Suns uh you know they, they drubbed the the Ruse by more than 10 goals. And if I'm not mistaken, the Ruse showed up like the day before the game. Is there an option if you know you're going to be playing a game in Darwin? And, and evidently they knew because they'd made plane reservations. Uh, if they're playing a game in Darwin, knowing that the weather is going to be significantly different than what they're facing in Melbourne, would it be a smart move for the club to go to Darwin early to try to acclimatize, to get themselves a little bit more geared up to playing in the heat and humidity that they were going to be facing there. I mean, I, I think that that would be the case, but again, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not running, uh, you know, a football club here. Um, you know, Tuke Miller paced the Suns, you know, again, another fantastic day for maybe the, one of the top three midfielders in the game. I actually tipped him to win the Brownlow this year, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm I'm still holding to that. I think that's there. Although we're going to talk about somebody here in just a moment who's uh, who's trying to you know prove me wrong on that one. You know he had 32 disposals, eight tackles, uh, 13 clearances. Jared Witts had 35 hitouts and six clearances. The Suns had 13 players kick goals. So this was not a uh, one person doing all of the the heavy lifting around the goal square. They they spread the wealth around, if you will. Uh, and they've got they're going into the bye week this week, and I I did see that uh, 
Gold Coast super fan, uh, Linton, who was on the podcast when we did the uh, preview episode for the Suns, is vacationing in Fiji right now. He posted pictures of himself in Fiji. And I asked him, I said, so the Suns are playing another road game? And, no, and I, I knew they were on the bye this week, but just kind of having fun with him there. Um, you know, Hugh Greenwood had a pretty good game for the Ruse with 21 disposals, eight tackles, and five clearances. Now, there's, there's more talk coming out right now about the Ruse and the idea of them getting a priority pick. You know, I, and I, I need to read up more on those. I mean, I know that that was something that had happened quite a bit with uh, Gold Coast as they were trying to build that club. Um, but does North Melbourne qualify for one of those? Is this a club that is, you know, too proud of a club to, to warrant that? Are they, are they, are they better than this, than what their record is showing? And I, I really, I really don't know what's going on at North Melbourne. I know they've had people in the front office who have walked away from the club. You know, it's gotta be really frustrating to see what's going on there right now. And again, you know, we have to, we cannot hit the fast forward button. You know, if, you, if you're somebody who plays, you know, you know, NBA 2K or the Madden game or the AFL game on your, your Xbox or your PlayStation or whatever, you know, you, could, you have the ability to sometimes, you know, if you're playing a career mode, you can simulate a season and go past it to move on to see what's going to happen next. Well, this is the real world. We have, to, we have to go through all of those days. You can't simulate the season there. Now, of course, the saga of Jason Horn Francis continues to get a little bit more interesting because uh, some organization had thrown up a proposed um, trade with Port Adelaide, like a hypothetical trade. I think it was with Zach Butters, a first and second round pick going to the Ruse, and Jason Horn Francis and a third round pick going to Port Adelaide. And again, I'm not suggesting this. I'm not saying that this should happen or anything of that nature. This is something that somebody had posted online. And Jason Horn Francis had given it a like or a thumbs up or whatever, whichever thing it was on whichever platform it was. I think it was Instagram. So I don't, uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't. Is he trying to do everything he can to get himself back to South Australia? I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know how to read this, but it, it just does not look doesn't look real good. And this is going to be something where the, uh, the club is going to have to, you know, maybe they end up getting in a bidding war between Port Adelaide and the Crows to see who really wants him. If they decide, you know what, this is going to be more of a headache than, uh, than we want. And this is where something, you know, I've talked about in the past, you know, with like the NFL where, you know, first round draft picks have, you know, a four-year contract with a, a, a club option on a fifth year, which, you know, if the club, if the team decides, you know what, we think that this person's good enough to keep around, we're going to go ahead and pick up that option and pay them a good chunk of change to stay with the club. You know, I know the AFL, the, the, the way that the contracts work are a little bit differently. So you have people jumping ship a little bit more frequently. Now let's move on to one of the big games of the, of the round, uh, the Swans, uh, and the D's, you know, the Swans, the, you know, they battled back in their, what was, I think they called it their heritage game in front of what seemed to be more South Melbourne fans or supporters than there were Melbourne supporters at the MCG getting a two goal win or two goal win over the D's, you know, the D's, they were missing arguably the best defender in the game. Sorry, Tom Stewart, uh, with Stephen May. And you could, that's certainly a debate that can be had there. Um, you know, Tom McDonald, was lost shortly before the game, and it sounds like he's going to be gone for two to three months with a uh, significant foot injury. Now, Max gone was his dominant self again, kicking three goals, nine marks, 30 hitouts, and five clearances. Sam, uh, Sam Reed and Logan McDonald both kicked three goals for the uh, Swans, and uh, Reed, Callum Mills, and Luke Parker combined for 29 tackles. I mean, so they were very busy in the midfield. And this was a, this was a huge win for the Swans. And, you know, the D's, and I've heard it talked about in a number of different uh, forums and podcasts and, you know, radio programs and such over the last couple of days, but, you know, the, the D's forward line, you know, Kazi Pickett is, is frightening to have to defend. But at this point in time right now, you know, other than when Luke Jackson or uh, Max Gaughan comes up, and pushes into the forward 50, the, the, the D's 
forward line is not threatening very much right now. You know, Ben Brown is going goalless for a few games. Uh, you know, he's he's somebody that doesn't. You know, he commands the ball, but it's it's in a, maybe a more passive way than say a uh, you know somebody like a, a Tom Hawkins or a Tom Lynch. Um, you know, he's great at getting at getting marks, but it, it's they've been rather infrequent. Now, I'm going to toss something out here, and I and I know. Yeah, I guess oh, before I do this, yeah, the D's are going to need to you know kind of reestablish themselves, and they get, they've got a big game coming up this Monday with the Magpies. You know, they got to start you know reinstituting that killer instinct that they've had because they've got to figure out how do we start putting more points on the board from our forward line. Um, and I'm not sure what the answer is there with that right now, but I know this is going to be very controversial, and 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 I'm not I'm just putting this out here. You know, Lance Franklin is absolutely one of the greatest players to ever put on a jumper and a pair of footy boots. But going into the 1,000th goal, would you agree that it seemed like the, the Swans felt like they needed to try to force feed getting the ball into Buddy's hands in order to get that thousandth goal, whether it had been in 2021 or at the start of this year before he emptied the stands up at the SCG. Is, does the, the game style for the Swans change when Buddy Franklin is not playing? And it's, it's inevitable that it's going to be in the next probably year or two where Buddy's not going to be out there anymore. But this is still a very young side besides that. Is this a club that they play a more free-flowing game when, when he is not out there? And again, like I said, this is not taking anything away from him. I'm not, I'm not trying to denigrate anything that he's achieved because he's, he's been absolutely phenomenal. He's a, a joy to watch. But in terms of the structure of the club, it seems like they, the, that the ball moves much more freely and they're, they're less predictable when he's out there. Now, of course, then, you know, they may become more reliant on somebody else who steps into the, the buddy role when he's not there, which, again, you're, you're, you're stepping into that role. You're not filling his shoes. You're not replacing him, really. Okay, that's not what I'm saying here. But, you know, it's, it's like watching a slightly different club play when he's out there than when he's not out there. And this, this is not to say, uh, again, if Buddy's healthy, he needs to be out there. But it's just, it's just watching a different style of play okay now we had a couple of clunker games this weekend a couple that you know that the margins were much wider than we thought but we really had you know for only six games we had four pretty darn good games of footy and and one of those was and you could argue maybe this was the best one of the weekend which was the hawks and magpies the magpies jumped out to a 23 point lead at the at the half the hawks shaved off three goals in the third quarter got it down to five points they ultimately lost by four Missing a couple kicks, uh, and many of the Hawks supporters were lamenting that as well. You know, Darcy Cameron had a, a fantastic game for the Pies with 19 hitouts, 26 disposals, 9 marks, and 6 clearances. Now, I did see something where people are now beginning to speculate whether or not the, uh, the yeah, again, this is not something coming out of Collingwood. But people just, you know, tossing out the idea. If, if Cameron is starting to show what he's capable of doing in the ruck, do the Magpies maybe try to find a spot for Brody Grundy elsewhere to relieve a little pressure on their salary cap situation? Now again, you know, any club taking him on is going to be taking on a huge contract, and of course, you know, he's going to want to probably have some sort of a say so in terms of whether he was to go anywhere or where he might want to go. And I'm not not speculating at all, and I haven't looked at the the, the cap situation at all. But there are some clubs out there that could, you know, use a, a solidification in the ruck position. I won't mention any names, but I did talk about them earlier and reference a poster of theirs hanging in my room. Now, I have no idea if the if that club would be interested in bringing in somebody like Brody Grundy if, or even if they have the resources to do it because they've got some really high-named and you know high-priced talent on that squad. Now, I, again, I don't know 
if that's something they would even consider. They may be developing their own rucks and deciding to go that route with it. But it'd be interesting to see what happens with him if, if Cameron continues to go as well as he's going. Do the Magpies look at doing something like that? You know, uh, Jack Gineman, uh Ollie Henry both kicked a couple of goals. Uh, Nick Dacos with uh, 36 disposals and four inside 50s. Jai Newcomb is becoming a terrific player. I think he's there already. And, uh, you know, he had 24 disposals, 12 tackles, and eight clearances. And Jay Gramir also had double-digit tackles. So this was a great contest. And, and you're starting to see the Hawks having their – some of their young players begin to take more prominent roles. You know, so we're starting to see that transition happen in Hawthorne here. So we may see more of a, a, a shift of the uh, – the makeup of the, the squad going into 2023. We may see some of the older players um, moving on. Uh, we shall see. Now, the weekend closed out with uh, the number two and three clubs on the ladder facing off. And again, this was another fantastic contest. Another, you know, another great game. This was another, you know, opportunity for, and, and I've, I've heard that the term getting tossed around there. And if you're in the purple and white today, um, I know you're wanting to think it, and it's maybe in the back of your mind, But you, and I certainly understand the reluctance of tossing out the phrase or the term flag mantle. You know, I, I get it, because, you know, you, you, you don't want to jinx yourself at all. But uh, Fremantle's playing some good footy, especially when it's dry. Yeah, did we see the, the, the two Brownlow favorites face off in this game? Maybe. You know, Tuke Miller might be the, the third one in that conversation, possibly. You know, Andrew Brayshaw's star continues to shine brighter and brighter every round. It's just, it's just a phenomenal kid, and he's so much fun to watch. And, and think about it. This club is getting a two-time Brownlow winner back very soon. You know, I don't even want to speculate what the list management's going to have to do when picking the 22 for this club. Somebody who's playing good footy is going to be sitting down or playing in the waffle or being listed as an emergency and not getting the opportunity to, to get into a game. Um, you know, Rory Lobb, Michael Frederick, Bailey Banfield combined for 10 of the 15 goals. Uh, Brayshaw and Will Brody combined for 19 clearances. Zach Bailey and Charlie Cameron combined for seven goals for the, the Lions. Jared Lyons had 10 tackles himself. I mean, was this a preview of a qualifying final? Distinct possibility that that's the case. And both of them are now sitting just one game behind the Deeds. So the, and we may see another club at the top of the ladder after round 13. So it's, it's, it was for an abbreviated week, it was one hell of a week of footy. And I'm hoping for the exact same thing, you know, coming Thursday night, you know, with the first game with Richmond and Port Adelaide. And that, quite frankly, I think is, is in many cases probably a must-win game for both of those clubs. If they want to, you know, keep pressure on that number eight spot, both of those need to win. So I think that's going to be really interesting. So I, I, I did get some uh, comments that I, that I reached out to and got from uh, supporters from each of the clubs that played this weekend. So I, and I... I scrolled through and I pulled out a handful of them, so I want to share them with you real quickly. And I've got a few, like I said, from each club. So from the Adelaide supporters, uh, Sticks, uh, in terms of the, the Crows, stated that he said, he hope, we're hoping to see Parnell uh, to be included in, uh, in the future and Brown sent to the twos to learn how to defend. Also send Murphy back there as well as he, as well, can't watch him miss every shot he has and can't kick and is pointless having a small who won't crumb and can't score. Continue with Fogarty and O, try out some new players and get the game into the likes of Whirl, Newchurch, and Borlays, and try McCasey and see what he's got. Otherwise, just let him go at the end of the season. Stefan said, mate, I'm hoping the guys that, that the, the guys in the team can use this as a catalyst to really show us what they're truly capable of in the back half of the season. If we can keep the positives and really sharpen up our conversion rate, anything is still possible. And uh, Paul said, it seems to me that there is still uncertainty about who is in the best 22. Halfway through the season, and to me, it's disappointing and worrying uh, how few players have progressed. McAdam, Tick, but who else? Schoenberg, Scholl, Dilthorpe, 
amongst others in and out of the side and not seeing the improvement. For developing side, would not necessarily expect to see wins, but players taking a step forward. And Tony stated, I love the fact that the Crows no longer have set, quote, set in concrete players week in and week out, like the, the back in the glory days of being the highest scoring team in the AFL. There are lots of young guns making a run, and these, these are the future of the, this great club, and make no mistake about it, as basic skills improve with these youngsters, the mateship team building, mateship and team building will start to grow, and uh, then success will surely come our way. Meanwhile, supporters, please keep supporting, and don't be fair-weather people like our neighbors across town. <clears throat> Just a little dig to port there. Uh, and we had a few uh, West Coast supporters who popped on and said, uh, Huey said they really need to work on their starts because over the last eight or so weeks, the games have been over by quarter time. Yeah, it's been ugly. It's been like, you know, let's go clean out the garage kind of ugly. People keep saying it's a fitness issue, but, it, but they seem to be running out games really well. And for me, it's more of a mental application. They need to reset after the bye and send JK off in style. He owes the club nothing, but his teammates owe him. Chris said, I actually saw a slight improvement, but the flag is we did, we did only play Adelaide. We shall see if we have a grown, grown as a group when we play the Cats in two weeks. I personally feel Witho would be far more damaging as a winger or a half forward. He doesn't have the size to be a lockdown defender. I don't know why he was playing on Tex, which kind of explains why Walker had the game he did. Caitlin said, Kelly over this season has become a more consistent player every game. Gov, Barras, and Hearn also have stood up. Duggan is a legend, and JD is finally back. Weston Clark are exciting to watch. Love seeing that curly mullet pulling his all in. And that's him. That's her talking about the mullet there. Me not having hair, not that big of a deal. Uh, Raylene stated, I've been to all the home games this season, and I've seen effort and improvement. Very hard with the team list changing week in and week out, which that makes, that makes sense, of course. Most of the team uh, need us to get behind them, and I must admit the crowd has been a bit louder the last couple games. And Warwick said they laid 45 tackles in the second half instead of 29 in the first. Smothers and efforts were up in the second half, which is why uh, we won it. We won't get blown off the park if we can lay 75 tackles each week, 57 one percenters, which is up from 41 and 33 the previous two weeks. And then looking at the Bulldogs and Cats game, uh, Tony stated, watching the replay, I think uh, Geelong would have blown out most sides out of the park in the first quarter. Their pressure and run was superb. Bevo changed things up, and our midfield stood up and led the recovery and kept Geelong to one goal in the next two quarters and was a great effort and gave us a realistic chance of winning. The last quarter was even, but Geelong was, was able to get a couple of goals from chaos kicks out of packs that fell into their forwards' arms. Really proud of the way the Bulldogs refused to lie down and, and fought back magnificently, but just fell short. Credit to Geelong, who were worthy winners of the game, but we were far from disgraced in that defeat. And I certainly concur on that. I mean, I... Bulldogs very easily could have won this game. And Jack stated, uh, confirming what uh, somebody had said, uh, Bevo is not a great coach. He's wasting a great list of players. He never seems to have a plan, plan B if things go south quickly. In my opinion, he needs to go now and bring in Clarko, who does know how to coach. Well, we now have another uh, precinct who has been heard from in the uh, who's going to have Alistair Clarkson coaching them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if Bevo is going anywhere. You know, he had his club in the grand final just last year. Uh, Joe stated, my observations are the same as most of the others. Sweet should not have been dropped. There are a lot of small forwards, so no point lobbing the football in high as they continually get outmarked. Keep chipping it in so the small forwards have at least a chance. Dave says, Hawkins, Cameron, too smart, too big. Gardner's still learning. Keith is solid but slow. We desperately need to trade for a quality back man. Uh, David said Beveridge had the first quarter wrong. Keith should have been on Hawkins and Gardner on Cameron, but he had it the other way around. Cost seven goals. Swapped at quarter time. They kicked one goal in two quarters, and Sweet has to be in the same team as English. It frees up English to get down forward. This year is virtually over again, and Beveridge may have coached his last year. Ooh. Uh, and the last one from a Bulldog supporter, Paul, says, we need Keith back big time. Sweet needs to play. We need uh, to stick to our running game and hunt in a pack. Too many missed tackles, giving e easy outs for the opposition. Believe, believe, believe. Finals are not out of reach. And they may very well not be. And a couple Cat supporters, uh, Matthew said, Tom Atkins and Zach Guthrie continue to impress. Both are having very solid seasons and do the tough stuff very well. 
Again, Reese Stanley showed why he's so frustrating by standing up at a big game. Please, Reese, can you back it up in the next game? Deconing has been huge, but we really do need Blitzkav back permanently as he showed up even more when Stewart was off. Looking forward to Segler hopefully coming into the team in the next couple of weeks to be a dual ruck with Stanley, which will have the double effect of hopefully adding stability to the ruck department and the back line. Helen states, I wonder if Myers would benefit from a run in the second. I do not say this often, but I think Narkel is a bit stronger player at the time. Love Zach Guthrie, and yes, we struggled a bit after Stewart got taken off, but Blitz was awesome and everywhere. I think our difference really was with Joel picking up in the fourth to lead the way as he does. Would like to see some new players tried against uh, West Coast, just saying. And uh, Paul stated, well, I saw that we really missed Danger Menegola's grunt work at the center clearances. Myers has to try to get some elevation on his kicks. I'm sorry to say it, but Dahlhaus' input really isn't enough to take up a spot in the side. I've also been a big Stanley fan, even though he gets bagged every week. Yeah, he gets monstered by other Ruckman, but tries his guts out and competes. And yep, you're spot on the value of Stewie to that side. He's our general back there. And boy, how do we miss Henry? DK, you're a star young man. For a kid his age to have the, the guts to know when to market or spoil shows great maturity. And uh, the last one from Geelong, uh, Christopher stated, my thought is we need to win. We have a poor record after the bye. I think without deconing, we would have lost that game. Stewie going down really hurt us, and the dogs took advantage of that. But Deconing really stood up and made things really difficult for the dogs. Atkins and Guthrie made it really hard for the dogs to hit a, sh a short target. The, bull the, sorry, the Bulldogs played really well defensively. They're a good ball-handling ball team, and they applied pressure slightly better than us that made us rush our kicks forward. The one player they couldn't stop was Jezza, and it was great that he kicked his 500th goal. Hopefully in a fortnight time, Tom Hawkins will kick two to get to his 700th. And then looking at the Hawthorne and Collingwood contest, David said, look, it was a gutsy effort, but overall they were cleaner than us. We fumbled a bit too much in dangerous areas. Field kicking when clear was down a bit, and we didn't kick to the player's advantage. We sat, on its, sat it on its head. Giving a start took too much out of us in the end, and the late charge going forward with 30 seconds to go. We went long to center half forward pack. Contested ball went forward. Pies players uh, front and square crumbed to easy clearance. Not a hawk in sight, so we, sp we were spent and just couldn't quite get there. But we move on to, to Frio. We must be so good inside against them because of the, of we let them get the ball easily on the outside. They will cut us to pieces. Wayne said the Collingwood had far more forward thrust than us, and the back line uh, withstood the barrage. Um, the three misses in the last quarter were the difference between a win or not. Uh, Jason Platt said, hey, Craig, I think Reeves needs a mention. I had him in my top five along with Nuke, Nash, Lewis, and Hardwick. Great effort uh, straight up after a serious dislocation. Similar to the Cats game, I thought our whole center bounce and general clearance system looked a lot more likely with him in the ruck, and he is already easily our best ruck prospect in many years. Reeves also improving as a strong mark. And then Brett said, my take is our biggest disappointment was our delivery or polish. We had enough of the ball, but executed badly. Some of our decisions making, decision making was very poor, but there was a lot of magnificent things as well. Jai Newcomb is an absolute gun. Mitch Lewis is a beast. And the way he charges the ball is breathtaking. Sicily was, again, brilliant in the very tiny back line. CJ's electrifying. I'll tell you what, when he, and this is me, when he kicked that goal, I just loved that reaction because it took a little while before they you know, finished up the review. Um, one thing I was hoping was Sam Mitchell would have done in the last quarter was sub Gunston and put in some fresh legs. Uh, but I'm happy with the Mighty Hawks that they never gave up. And, oh, did I mention Jai Newcomb? And, uh, and Elaine definitely took it in, uh, in, in stride. And a lot of if-onlys. If only the boys had turned it on a bit quicker. If only they'd kicked more accurately. If, if the big boy was playing. If only the umpiring had been better. Had been better. If only Jack Ginevan hadn't been born. <laughs> Now, I did not hear from any Collingwood or Gold Coast supporters. I reached out on uh, a couple different message boards on Facebook, but heard nothing from either one of them. So moving out to North Melbourne, I've got, like I said, a couple clubs here uh, to finish up. Uh, Lee said the first quarter was great. No idea what happened in the second. Then it's catch up. Micaiah out again. So time for McGinnis, Archer, Goder. Give them a run to see how they go. What's the worst we can do is lose another game over, over 50. 
think Zebel just has to play middle, bust his guts out. Stevenson back in, even halfback, flank, or wing. Edwards last year, uh, midseason draft, get him in, needs someone to help Larky out. Can't rely on Goldstein and Zary to help his forwards, two goals at most. I think Curtis is a find doing okay, but get some speed, uh, Spicer and Lazaro, something to just try something. Uh, and Dawson, we got we got him now, play him, no, no better time to try him out. Uh, Jai said, uh, I feel the main issue is that we're facing right now is that our younger players haven't had time to develop, and a lot of our senior players aren't good enough to carry the load. Look at the younger players on the teams, Rochelle, Dacos, McDonald, etc. They're in good patches, and then they go quiet, and it doesn't matter because they have the senior players and the star players that continue to carry the load, which stops them from getting exposed like we do. And it's only been made worse by not having Cunnington and Hall and Mackay missing games. And uh, Joel said the effort's just not there. The first thing they need to do, don't worry about the skill until you get the ball. And I, from Sam, a Brisbane supporter, I'm glad our losses have been uh, towards the bye. Uh, give the boys and Fagan a chance to regroup with uh, while the losses are still fresh. Our team is such that uh, when a player goes down, it takes a bit to restructure. Moving Zorko to center halfback gives us something. We were something that we were missing, uh, some fight and grunt in the last half. And I heard from a couple of uh, Fremantle supporters as well. I made a bet before the season started for the Dockers to win the grand final this year. It was paying 24 to 1. It wasn't about the money. It was about having faith in the team, coach and club, to get it done. There's still a long way to go, but we're in the top eight. We are not riddled with injuries. Our players uh, to come in are quality, and our whole team is buying in and really enjoying some quality time together. This is what premierships are all about. It could go very well. It could very well be the year, but we're not if we are certainly playing some awesome footy. Go, go the Mags 10-12 youth group and go the Dockers bleed purple. Mel said it's great to watch the pressure we put on the team effort when it's needed. Fife is going to be a great addition. Hopefully our depth with this group of gutsy young blokes and the veteran mix will get us over the line come finals. And Greg said it was a cracking game of footy. The Lions brought some serious heat and physicality. The boys took a while to adjust and then asserted their own physical presence uh, led by Andy Brayshaw. I still marvel at Will Brody just uh, doesn't go to ground every possession starting something. Griffin Logue was outstanding, but not a true forward. Otherwise, he would have been snatched. Uh, he would have snatched that goal off Collier. Very solid with deep finals action. Now a real thing. Now the last game of the round was uh, Sydney and uh, Melbourne, of course, and Dean from Sydney. So don't forget Cunningham. I, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, to what the team will offer after the buy rounds. Uh, wouldn't look. Wouldn't like to be a selector at present. Yeah, I mean that's a great problem to have is figuring out you know which person you have to tell them you're not in the 22 this week. Uh, Vinay said, well, considering the run home, we play three games against top teams in the top eight, St. Kilda twice and the rest. I think it's seven games all against teams outside of the eight. So if we play to our potential, we should finish top four. But if the Swans, unbeatable at their best, deplorable at their worst, so you never know. And somebody followed up, uh, Peter said, deplorable, average losing margin 15 points. If you want deplorable, check out West Coast. Maybe disappointing at our worst. And... <laughs> couple of Melbourne supporters then Beck said the teams uh, teams have studied our, our play and now uh, are they are playing it so we need to come up with something else Amanda said watching the game last night I thought there was a bit of the way the, the they played a few years ago everyone around the ball doing nothing uh, or short panicking handballs they need to get their composure back and the team is playing for each other and Howie said uh, I think we need to change the forward structure to so the midfielders start lowering their eyes I would take one tall forward out, so just play two tall options, whether it's one of the Browns or Weld, then either Jackson or gone forward, whichever one is resting. Play Fritch out of the square leading, so uh, let the main key forward play a bit up the ground. Bring in some pace. Play Bedford in our forward line. Then move Brayshaw back uh, to the wing. As good as he's been at halfback, it's not about whether he's in career best or if it's best for the team. So with Salem now back, Brayshaw goes back to the wing where he is uh, what we did last year when he's hot. So then to replace Brayshaw from halfback, bring in either Rivers or Hibbard. And somebody actually liked that idea. And, uh, folks, I want to thank all of you who reached out and gave me your thoughts. I, I love being able to share your views because it, it offers me some insight in terms of how supporters of the different clubs are thinking. So I truly, truly appreciate that. And I, like I said, I'm learning as much about your club's uh, as I can uh, by 
you know, about my club. I'm the point where I'm, you know, by sight, I'm recognizing more and more players. I would love a little number on the front shoulder. That would be so help, be so helpful for me in terms of learning, you know, jumper numbers instead of just the one in the back. But that's a small, that's a small battle for another day. Uh, folks, I do tip my cap to you for, for sharing your thoughts there. Now, I'm really looking forward to seeing what round 13 brings. Um, I'll be working on my uh, tips uh, today. Also, uh, Mick Aussie will be joining me again this week. And uh, we are actually going to go through our uh, mid-season All-Australian clubs as well this week. So looking forward to bringing that to you. Now, don't forget that you can reach me at yankonthefooty at gmail.com and on Twitter at yank underscore on as well as on Facebook, just look for a Yank on the Footy podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at a Yank on the Footy. And of course, over at my website, a Yank on the Footy.com, I do encourage you to consider signing up for the website there, uh, getting on the mailing list. Uh, again, if you're somebody who has a great story in footy or you have, you know, a family member who is a, you know, a legend of the game or a former, or former player who, um, has a story that they would love to tell. I would love the opportunity. I would appreciate the opportunity to talk to them. So please drop me a note, uh, you know, register as a guest over my website. It would be a huge help. And if you're enjoying the show and you want to leave a review, that gives me a little bit more street credibility, if you will, and allows me to share that uh, information out with, uh, with other prospective listeners. Again, thanks a lot to Shannon Gill. I truly appreciate what you did for me there, sir. Folks, I want to thank you for listening. Yeah, we're fans of our own clubs. We, we've heard the passion of fans from these comments. Uh, you know, even clubs who are struggling because you know the love for their club is there even if the, the four points are not showing up on the ladder. You know, folks, like I said, if you're enjoying the show, I do hope you'll consider sharing a link, telling your friends about the podcast. That's how it's going to grow is if you tell your friends about this crazy American who's talking about the game. Hopefully you'll head over to Code Sports and check out the article as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for your kind words, your continued support. And as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 175 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can find A Yank on the Footy podcast on Facebook, also over on Instagram, and please head over to the website at yankonthefooty.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye.